ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. In today's episode, we are going to continue in our study of Psalm 23. I know we did an episode last month really introducing this short little chapter of the book of Psalms, but yet so powerful and one that I think so many of us could just quote by memory, one that we learn as children, um, one that is very familiar. And yet sometimes because something is so familiar, we almost dismiss it. Like I have gleaned everything I can from that because I've known it for so many years. But I really have found, as the Lord has put this psalm back on my heart, and I've been studying through it, that the Bible is a living book. It continues to teach us more and more about God. And you can read the same verse or the same chapter or the same book of the Bible a million times, and you're still going to get something new from it because the Bible is the revelation of God himself. And God is never ending. We can never mine the depths of who God is is. And the Bible is the revelation of himself to us as mankind. So the more time you spend in it, whether it's a new passage or a new chapter or mining truths out of the same one, spending some time really digging and investing into one particular area, it's never going to be wasted time. You're always going to glean something. And that's what I've found from Psalm 23. So I know this is only the second episode in this 12-episode study that will be spread throughout the year, um, but I hope that you don't see this pop up on your you know, app as, as you're subscribed to the No Higher Calling podcast and you think, oh, well, it's just the Psalm 23 episode. I'm going to skip it and wait for something more relevant to me. Um, maybe because you are very familiar with this, I pray that you will listen in and really ask the Lord what is it that you're wanting to teach me as we turn to a familiar passage of scripture? So before we jump into what I'm going to talk about today, I want to just read the whole chapter to you. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and my staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you're wondering why my voice is so deep, I have lost my voice and it is coming back, but it's not fully there. So anyway, if you're wondering why I read Psalm 23, like down in the bass clef, (laughs) that's why. Um, But I just, I really want to dig into this today, talking about, okay, so let me recap. Last episode, not last episode in the timeline, but last episode in the Psalm 23 study, we studied the Lord is my shepherd, really with the emphasis of if you don't know 100% for sure and for certain without a shadow of the doubt that the Lord is your shepherd. If it's not personal, if it's not intimate to you, this relationship of of us and the shepherd, of you and the shepherd, then get that taken care of. That is foundational. And everything else in this psalm builds upon that truth. Um, I love this quote that I found 
from the book, The Heart of the Shepherd by Stephen Chapel. He says, if indeed we are sheep, then there is no greater undertaking to accomplish than to know our shepherd. Within the sheepfold of humanity, there are only two kinds of sheep, those who are saved and those who are lost. Within the realm of the sheep who have been saved, there are those who stay close to the shepherd and those who stray from his protection. So like I said, last time we talked about the Lord is my shepherd. There are two kinds of sheep, those who are saved and those who are lost. If you do not know that you are in, you are one of the saved, that you are in the sheepfold of those who know the shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd intimately, then, then that is where you need to start. And if you have any questions about trusting Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'd love for you to reach out to me um, through social media or no higher calling podcast at gmail.com. This episode is building on that. So we move from the Lord is my shepherd to this phrase, I shall not want. Now these are just four little words, I shall not want, but there is so much packed in to the truth that is behind, I shall not want. Ladies, all that we ever will need or want is found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord is my shepherd, we can say with with full assurance, I shall not want. Those two things are interconnected. They're woven together. The, The product of the Lord being our shepherd is that we shall not want. So what does the word want mean? There are really kind of two different, um, I guess, angles to this word, both the same idea, but a little bit different glimpse into this word. So the first one is not lacking deficient. And I think that's maybe the first one that we think of when we think I shall not want. Um, There's nothing more that we need. In Christ, we find everything. We are not lacking, meaning that I, I... I have lack. I need to fill that void. No, in Christ, there is no lack. There is no deficiency. He alone is sufficient. And in our lives, he is the sufficient one. We find sufficiency in him. He fills every void. You know, our hearts were created with a void that only a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ can fill. God designed us that way. God designed us um, in His image. You know, God God is the triune. He's He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He also created us um, in Genesis. It, he says, let us make man in our image. He's talking about that triune God. He's saying, let's make man in the image of God. And so we also have these three parts. We have body, our physical body. We have our soul, which is our intellect, our emotion, and our will. And we have our spirit, our spirit that will live on forever. So we are created um, in the image of God, but in that creation, in that um, that pr- product of man that God made, that creation of man, he created us with with a part of us that only a relationship with him can fill. And ladies, I think there are so many times in our lives where we we feel this void. We feel this listlessness, this, this where, you know, it's not lacking. We are lacking. We feel like we're lacking. We feel like we're deficient. We feel like if I could just have someone who understands, who truly knows me, who truly accepts me, who truly loves me, um, just that that deep intimacy of, of I can be me at my rawest form and be accepted. 
I, I think we all feel that. And a lot of us who are married, we often look to our husband to fill that void. And there are some aspects of that that our husbands do fill. You know, Simeon knows the best about me and the absolute worst about me and the craziest things about me. And he loves me and he accepts me. And that that does fill a part of a void. Um, my sister... So my sister is 10 years younger than me. We got to spend some time together over Christmas and we were joking around. It's just, if it gets too late at night, I become a whole new person. I'm a person hopefully none of you will ever get to see, but she was teasing me. I was having a crazy moment and she was like, yeah, well, I know the Brittany behind the podcast. Um, but you know, there's just different people fill different voids. Um, and, but there is this place that only Christ can fill and we do ourselves a disservice. We do others a disservice when we try to fill that with someone that was not created to fit that hole, whether it be our husbands or our children or our career or our hobbies, only Christ is the sufficient one that can truly meet the deepest needs, the deepest desires of our heart. So want means not lacking or deficient. Another glimpse into the word want means to be utterly contented, not desiring or craving more. So this goes beyond just um, the statement of, I am not lacking, I am not deficient, I have all that I want. This takes it a step beyond and says, not only do I have what I want, but I am utterly contented with everything that I have. I do not desire, I do not crave anything else. I think of that hymn, all that I have is Jesus. All that I want is Jesus. All that I want, all that I need, all that I plead is Jesus. Again, I said it earlier, all we ever need is found in Christ. We can be completely contented, not desiring more, not craving more, because we have Jesus Christ in our lives. You know, it was very interesting. I I really enjoy statistics. So I was doing a little bit of research preparing for this episode. Um, And when when you Google the words contentment and satisfaction, you find a lot of happiness statistics that come up. Um... And, you know, usually satisfaction, contentment does bring happiness. But something that we've really been trying to teach our children is that happiness and joy are not the same thing. Um, I I often think of happiness more of a little bit of a worldly term. You know, we find happiness in vacations, in wealth, in things, in um, comfortable circumstances. We find this happiness, but happiness can be fleeting. I think it's one of the biggest things that can affect a person's happiness is their bank account, their, the, how much money they have. So happiness can come and go. But for the Christian, a a Christian can experience joy. And joy is an attribute of God. And as we get to know Him, we get to understand this this depth of joy. God says that He will give us His joy. And joy is something that is not quite as fleeting as happiness. Joy is an undercurrent. I think of it as a steady river um, where you may have you may have days of sunshine, you may have days of thunderclouds all around you, but that undercurrent of joy runs steady, smooth, strong. Um, and, and so I think it's important to see the difference between happiness and joy. But as I was doing this research, looking for some stats on happiness, I found that across the board, so I found this one stat that showed the whole world, political world map, and was showing the rates of happiness. People that have said, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, this is how happy we are. 
I think Australia rated about seven, so not too bad. You know, people said we're pretty content with where we are. We have life satisfaction. We're happy. Um, so, you know, not not 50-50, not split in the middle. It's about seven. Um, and Australia's actually been pretty steady for the past 10 or 15 years. America has seen a decline. So it started off closer to eight about 10 or 15 years ago, and it has dipped down to lower end of six, more around six and a half. Um, so we see that that decline in happiness. But again, I think so much it's because the, the happiness is connected to other things. It's dependent upon other things. Whereas this joy, when we talk about this, I shall not want, this is an utter, utter contentment. We don't desire more. We don't crave more. Any more that we get is an added blessing, is an added benefit, is an additional something to be grateful for. Because if we have Christ, that is enough. We are happy in that. Something else that I found was really interesting when doing this research is it said that um, some of the happiest people on earth are those who have a strong internet connection. And I was just like, oh my goodness, how 2023 could we be here? (laughs) Our happiness is dependent upon the strength of our internet connection. And okay, I'm just going to go off on a little bit of a rabbit trail rant here and talk about something else that is really trendy that I've been seeing that I've really just been trying to strip away some of the, uh, I don't know, maybe humor of it, cultural humor, and really try to think, man, is this sending a message that is not in accordance with God's word? And that is a little slogan that I've seen on t-shirts and bags and different things. And if you have one of these t-shirts or one of these bags, please don't think that I'm hating on you. Um, You know, they're a bigger fish to fry out there, but it's a pet peeve of mine. And as I was studying through this, thinking about Christ being our complete sufficiency and trying to pass this message of I shall not want on to the next generation, um, I I saw one of these t-shirts and it just, mm, it rubbed me the wrong way. So you see the, the slogan. That is that says something like, all I need is a little bit of coffee in Jesus, or all I need is cupcakes in Jesus, all I need is glitter in Jesus. Um, I, I saw one the other day, it was for a little girl, all I need is a little unicorn in Jesus or something. And it just rubs me the wrong way because I feel like it is taking our high, holy, sufficient God, our shepherd, and coupling him with glitter or coffee or cupcakes. And like, I, I love cupcakes. I know I don't do coffee. I do tea. Um, but I mean, these are things that I love and I wouldn't mind to wear a t-shirt that said, you know, I love tea or something, but coupling that with Christ, with the name of our savior, just feels shallow to me. And, and as I've been pouring over the, and maybe it's because I've just immersed my heart into Psalm 23 recently and just mulling over this, I shall not want. And in my own life, recognizing how much I crave and desire things that are outside of Christ or how much I try to shove things into that hole in my heart, that void in my heart that only he can fill and how often I come up with frustration and aggravation and um, just at my wits end, like what? why am I feeling so empty when I realize God created me to be empty because he wants the beat to be the one that fills me. So that's just a little side note. Um, again, hopefully you're not offended if you have one of those shirts, but just something that I've noticed. I think we just need to be very careful that even our humor is in accordance with scripture and with biblical thinking and with just ideals that 
are from God's order and that bring Him glory. But I want to jump back into, let's get back off that rabbit trail, get back on track here. Talking about, I shall not want. Um, You know, knowing God as your shepherd brings contentment. We talked about happiness. We talked about, you know, you need to have a good, strong internet band to get this happiness. We've talked about contentment. But knowing God, that's what brings contentment, having this relationship with the shepherd. Because having this relationship with him, filling that void with him, acknowledges the fact that he alone is enough. Um, As I've been studying through Psalm 23, I've been going back through the book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by W. Philip Keller. And he says, contentment should be the hallmark of the man or woman who has put his or her affairs in the hands of God, trusting it over to our shepherd. I want to read a little excerpt from the chapter in his book where he talks about this phrase, I shall not want, where he talks about his sheep. So he actually was a shepherd. And from that knowledge, from that intimate knowledge of the shepherd and the sheep and the relationship, um, he shares a deeper insight, which I really feel like is what David had. David's the one that penned Psalm 23. And when he's talking about sheep, like this is his livelihood. This is what he did at the time. He spent his days with these sheep, loving these sheep, tending to these sheep who so often chose other ways when he's providing for their every need, and then they still choose to think that the grass is greener on the other side. David is speaking out of this inner working knowledge of the sheep, and so is this author. So I want to read a little portion from from the book talking about one of the sheep and giving an illustration of this idea of I shall not want. So he talks about this sheep. He calls her Miss Gadabout. She was restless, discontent, and a fence crawler. So he says, This one you produced more problems for me than almost all the rest of the flock combined. No matter what field or pasture the sheep were in, she would search all along the fence or shoreline they lived by the sea, looking for a loophole she could crawl through and start to feed on the other side. It was not that she lacked pasturage. My fields were my joy and delight. No sheep in the district had better grazing. With Mrs. Gadabout, it was an ingrained habit. She was simply never contented with things as they were. Often when she had forced her way through some such spot in a fence or found a way around the end of a wire at a low tide on the beach, she would end up feeding on bare, brown, burned-up pasturage of a most inferior sort. But she never learned her lesson and continued to fence-crawl time after time. Now, it would have been bad enough if she was the only one who did this. It was a sufficient problem to find her and bring her back. But the further point was that she taught her lambs the same tricks. They simply followed her example and soon were as skilled at escaping as their mother. Even worse, however, was the example she set for the other sheep. In short time, she began to lead others through the same holes and over the same dangerous paths down by the sea. After putting up with her perverseness for a summer, I finally came to the conclusion that to save the rest of the flock from becoming discontent and unsettled, she would have to go. I could not allow one obstinate, discontented you to ruin the whole ranch operation. It was a difficult decision to make, for I loved her in the same way I loved the rest. Her strength and beauty and alertness were a delight to the eye. But one morning, I took the killing knife in hand and butchered her. Her career of fence crawling was cut short. It was the only solution to the dilemma. She was a sheep who, in spite of all I had done to give her the very best care, still wanted something more. And I read that, and you know, it's 
it's humorous, maybe not the end of this poor sheep, but it's humorous that this sheep keeps getting out, keeps finding a way of escape. I think of, you know, the Pied Piper. Now she's got all her little lambs following after her. Now she's got all the other sheep following after her. But but let's dig into this for a minute and think about this, putting this illustration into the reality of our lives. How often has God laid before us a feast of lush, perfect green grass, everything we need? I shall not want. All we need is found in Him. And yet we spend all of our days all of our time scanning that fence line, looking for one little hole that we can try to squeeze ourselves through. Oh, we find it. Oh, good. Let's go. Maybe we get a few scratches along the way trying to get out and under. Finally, we're on the other side. And what are we feasting on? We feast on, he says here, the brown, burned up, bare pasturage of a most inferior sort. The grass is not greener on the other side. It may look it, but when you get over there, you find that it's not. And then I'm thinking, okay, so not only is she choosing this for her own life, but now she's teaching the little ones. Now she's bringing up her children and they're learning the same trickery from their parents. Something that I am learning in my parenting, honestly, the hard way, (laughs) to be perfectly frank, um, is that I can give my kids scripture and I can try to get them to obey and get their hearts and modify their behavior and try to get them to do what I think they should do. But if I am not modeling what it looks like to look like Christ, then I'm, I'm not going to achieve what I want to achieve. The best thing that I can do as a parent is to model for them what what Christ likeness looks like, what obedience looks like, what humbleness looks like, what what um, gratefulness looks like. And I think about that here. You know, we are responsible for raising the next generation. If you're a mother, obviously you have a responsibility to your children. Um, but even if you're not a mother, God has given women a very unique opportunity to reach the hearts of children, whether that is your own children or other children that you have an influence on. We are training up the next generation. Let's not be training them to always look for grass, greener grass on the other side, to be discontent, to be looking for something else. And then always remember that there are other women who are watching you. You may think, oh, what I do doesn't matter, but that's not how sin works. Sin always affects more than just you. And it has the negative effect. Don't be um, an example of this sheep, this discontented you who was going to look and find something else and who ultimately had to be had an end come to her because of this example. Let's say that because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I am not lacking. I'm not deficient. I am utterly contented, not desiring or craving anything else. God has given us everything and all that we need can be found in him. Psalm 68, 19 said, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation, Selah, who daily, every day, morning by morning, day by day, loadeth us with benefits. I love that word loadeth. When I think of loadeth, my dad is a truck driver and I think of his big tractor and trailer and the load. He actually drove a dump truck for a while too. And that comes to mind, like this huge heaping falling over load. And then it dumps and it's just piling and piling and piling daily. God loads us with benefits. Psalm 121.4 says, behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. 
We were created to require rest. We have to have sleep to function, but God doesn't. Constantly, He is working on our behalf. He is watching on our behalf. He is protecting. He is taking care of. He is loving. He is nurturing. He is providing for us, His sheep. And because of that, because He's our shepherd, because He loves us, cares for us, provides for us, protects us, um, shelters us, we can say, I shall not want. So my challenge to you, to me, as we study this little phrase, really, and it'll be another month before we revisit this psalm again. So over the next couple weeks, as you're mulling over this in your heart and hopefully studying through this with me, let's think about that. Let's try to ask God to show us areas in our lives where we are not grateful, where we aren't satisfied, where we are complaining, where we are suffering lack. And let's just fall in love with our Lord all over again. Let's come to know him in a deeper and a greater way. And one thing I found in my own life, as I get to know God, as I get to learn and understand the attributes of who God is, I fall more and more in love with him. It's the same way with my husband. The more that I get to know him as a person, the more time I spend with him, the more we invest in our relationship, the more I love him. Imagine how much more it is with a perfect God, with a perfect heavenly father. The more we come to know about our shepherd, the more that we come to love him, and the more confidently we can say, because he is my shepherd, I shall not want. Lord, I thank you that you are the shepherd of our souls. And I pray that if there is any lady that is listening that does not know for sure that you are her shepherd, that you will convict her of her sin and bring her to an understanding of her need of a savior. Help her to just humbly submit to that and to find someone who can help her um, to, to be guided to the scripture passages that can help her to know you intimately as her shepherd, Lord. For those of us who are your sheep, I pray you will help us to just fall more in love with you, to spend more time in your word, more time getting to know who you are and letting that change us to become more like you. Help us to be more contented. Lord, in a world that is consumed with happiness from all the wrong sources, I pray that you will help us to display joy from, from you, from the filling of your word and of truth. Lord, help us to show to a lost world um, a joy that they can't understand and then have the opportunity to get to introduce them to the one who is joy, who is contentment, who is satisfaction. Lord, I pray that you will help each one of us to grow in this area of our lives that we might say, I shall not want. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.